If you're like most, most of your one of these days stories start in your late teens or your early 20s. One of these days I'm going to, one of these days I'm going to, one of these days, the Lord willing. I'm going to. Sadly, though, most of those one of these day stories extend into our 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and beyond. Why? Because we still keep holding on to that one of these days mentality that I'm going to get there. Uh, That opportunity, that door is going to open one of these days and I'm going to walk through it. Spiritually speaking, that happens in a lot of our lives too. We, We are either find ourselves churched and well-informed and knowing some things and think, well, one of these days I'm, be, I'm, I'm really going to begin a relationship with Jesus. One of these days I'm going to do that. Or we come to know Christ as a child and think, but well, one of these days I'm, re- I'm really going to find in- intimacy with him. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to know him. I re- I'm really going to seek his ways. I want to understand him. Here's some one of these days dreams that you may share that I've written down this week. Um, one of these days, I'm going to be the husband my wife deserves. One of these days, I'm going to be the husband she deserves. I'm going to be the wife he needs me to be one of these days. One of these days, I'm not going to let my failures define me anymore. One of these days. One of these days, I'm not going to let my job define me, define who I am. One of these days, I'm going to do my work as unto the Lord, the scripture says. One of these days, I'm going to live a spiritually contagious life. One of these days. One of these days, I'm going to see me the way God sees me. When I see me the way God sees me, a lot of one of these days, dreams and ambitions and motivations I've had, they're going to start to take root. They're going to find reality. Why? Because I see me as he sees me. Turn you up to, to Acts chapter 26. We're going to look at a, a, just a brief bit of scripture, but from four different translations today. <clears throat> and we're going, to, we're going to draw from these four translations, hopefully some different things that, that will help us see, give some insight into the fact that turning a corner and making one of these days to, today is a wise thing for each of us to do. And so follow along with, if you will, Acts 26, picking up at verse 24. This will be from the, from the NIV, 24 through 29. Now, before we start here, Paul is, this is Paul's defense. He's been arrested, and he's about to be shipped off to Rome. He's requested an audience with Caesar because he is of Roman descent. He's a Jew, but he has Roman lineage. And so he's about to be sent off to to Rome. But before that, he ushers his case before Felix, uh, kind of a mayor of sorts, county mayor, city mayor. Then... Felix thinks, I really don't have authority to decide on this. He, he sends Paul, pulls Paul back out of prison again and sends him before Festus. Festus is kind of a regional governor, more or less, <clears throat> and a little more authority, a little, little weightier position. Paul tells his story to Festus, same, same story in essence that he tells, tells to Felix. Tells it to Festus. Festus knows that Agrippa, who is a, a kind of a, uh, if I put it in modern day terms, probably a senator more or less, what we see as a congressman or something. Agrippa is coming through town, and Festus knows that. And he said, let's, let's let you tell your story to Agrippa because there are some complexities here. Paul's a Jew. He also has Roman heritage. So there's some complexities here that they, neither of them want to step in it. And so they realize the, 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 the power of making the wrong move. And so 
Let's let Agrippa hear this. And so Paul tells his story to Agrippa. That's what's happening in these verses before in chapter 26 here. And we get down to toward the end of that dissertation, and we find this in verse 24. At this point, Festus interrupts Paul, interrupted Paul's defense. You're out of your mind, Paul. Paul's telling the story now. And his story basically is his story in light of the gospel story. He gives him his history, his Jewish history, his heritage, the schools he was raised in, the, the lineage that he had, the training he had, his educational background, his credentials, more or less. And then he intersects that story with, but on the road to Damascus, everything changed. Everything changed in me. Everything changed around me. And so and from that point on, the, the very Christians I was killing are the ones now I'm trying to tell the story of Christ to. The very people I was persecuting are the ones now persecuting me because they don't trust my story. They don't trust what's happened in my life. And so he's telling his story in a lot of the gospel, changing him in a lot of the gospel story. And so that radical nature of who he used to be, now he's morphed into, into who he is now, kind of gets a rise out of Festus. And Festus says, you're out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king, which he's referring to Agrippa there, the king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it is not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray, God, that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. Now, the all who are listening to me, we'll look at that a little more in detail in just a moment, but this was, court took place in a public arena in that day and time. It's not like courtrooms where you're, you you got to walk through a security screen or lucky to, anybody could show up at court and listen to, to the dissertation that was going on. So in this setting, it was a very public setting, and there were probably at least several hundred people watching all this discourse take place, hearing Paul's story, seeing Agrippa's response, hearing Festus, seeing all this take, take place. And so Paul's response to Agrippa, Agrippa's question there, you think you're going to talk me into being a Christian here in just a short time? Paul says, I hope not only you, but all the rest of y'all too in this arena. And so that's the setting that we find ourselves in today uh, to, to, as we look at this opportunity to, to look at really what these days are. And, and digest this one of these days mentality. And that's where Agrippa and Paul both find themselves here in this encounter. These days, first of all, are getting shorter. Now listen to this uh, text from the New American Standard. For verse 26, for the king knows about, uh, for the king, I'm sorry, verse 28, and Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time, you'll persuade me to become a Christian. In a short, now, the New American Standard, as I've shared with you before, is probably the most accurate translation <coughs> From the, original he- from the original Hebrew and Greek that there is in existence. If you really want to study word meanings and phrase meanings according to the original text, use the New American Standard. It's f- by far the most accurate word for word and sometimes syllable for syllable translation that there is to, to study by. And so he says here in this translation, Agrippa uh, replied, in a short time, in a short time, Paul, you will persuade me to become a Christian. Agrippa saw a window closing here. <clears throat> he heard this story. He probably, probably knew of Paul before he ever showed up in the city. But here's from Paul's mouth his story of who he is, what his background is, and then what Jesus, how Jesus intersected in the middle of that to change every bit of that and to change his future and to change his destiny and his destination because 
of this encounter on the Damascus Road. And so Agrippa's got a little bit of background here into what's going on with Paul. But he also sees a window closing here. And, and as this window starts to close, what I want us to see today is it, that's the same is true for you and I. There are windows in your life and windows in your family's life and windows in the life of your friends that are closing. There's a season where their heart is ripe for the gospel. There's a season where the enemy says no more. And sadly, that's, that's occurring at a much faster clip in our society now. There's, there's a greater intolerance for the gospel. There's a greater disdain for scripture, disdain for what Christians believe and, and hearing their stories and hearing the gospel message. It's, it's, it's further being put on, on the outer periphery of our culture. It used to be front and center. It's being moved to, to, to the outer banks now, more or less. And so that window for many of your friends and family and my friends and family is closing. There's an opportunity for them to receive the gospel. There's an opportunity for them to hear and respond. Here's my question for you and I. Has some of that come and gone? Has it come and gone for you? Has it come and gone for them? I don't know the answer to that, and you probably don't know the answer to that for them. You do for you, but not for them. So it behooves us to tell our story. It behooves us to, to become Paul's and say, here's what happened in my life. And here's how Christ intersected my plan for me and became his plan for me. Here's how he met me, not literally on a Damascus road, but in a Crosspoint auditorium or, in, or at a conference or at a youth retreat or at a, wherever you met Jesus. Here's how that encounter changed me. And that encounter, same encounter with the same Jesus, can change you as well. Uh, time plays a funny trick on us. The older we get, and I'm seeing this start to take place in, in, my, in my young very virile 58 years. But I'm, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing windows start to close. You know why? Because time is creeping faster and faster and faster. The older I get, I look back on six months ago, a year ago, five years ago, and it seems like yesterday. And so and, and you, you'll find that true with mileage that it seems the windows are closing faster and the opportunities are getting more scarce. And, and we see at every opportunity and every, at, at, at every open door, starting to close. What does that say? It says, and, and Agrippa started to see that. He saw that in his own life and in the situation with Paul. And, and those things tend to appear and disappear at a faster pace. Here's my question for you today, and it relates to this, and that's this. What are the things in your life that are worthy of your time and attention? What are the things in your life that are worthy of your time and attention? Uh, Vince and I were having a conversation yesterday morning about this idea of looking at life through an eternal lens, and having an eternal perspective, that automatically, by default, changes your priorities. It changes the way you look at people, changes the way you look at work, changes the way you look at everything when you see life through an eternal lens. That's exactly what happened here with Agrippa. You think in such a short time you're going to fall? In such a short time you're going to persuade me to become a Christian? In, 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 in the time it takes to tell your story, the, the window I see closing for me, is it here? Is, it, is my time now? Are you... Are you, is this a for, for such a time as this moment, Paul? That's kind of what I hear behind Agrippa's response. And it, it behooves the question in our hearts, what are the things in your life worthy of your time and attention? If you can answer that question, it helps you prioritize, well, this is what isn't. <laughs> and I'm spending a heck of a lot of time doing this and focusing on this and this and this and him and her and that, when that's about 12 things I, I need to let go of. This and this and this, in fact, if, if it takes up more than one hand, you've got too many things worthy of your time and attention, in my opinion. It's my opinion. If it takes up more than one hand, you've got too many things worthy of your time and attention. 
There should be a very few things in your life that you value above everything else that regardless of what comes up, that gets your priority. Regardless of the circumstance, that gets your focus and gets your attention. That's where Agrippa found himself in this moment with Paul. Uh, Agrippa realizes those things, and, and, and I, to put words in his mouth, I feel like he's saying, my time is now, and I can't do anything to change it. My, my window is closing, and I don't like that. I see it closing, and I don't like the fact that it's closing. I need a little more time, Paul, and I don't know that I've gotten more time, but I see it, and I, I see what you've laid in front of me today. And uh, if, if, you've, if that's been you, if you've, if you've been one who said, one of these days, one of these days, I'm really going to get serious in my walk with Christ. One of these days, I'm really going to share my faith with her. I'm really going to tell him my story. One of these days, I'm going to do that. One of these days, that eventually, that window will eventually close. because It won't stay open forever. These days are getting shorter. Secondly, these days are under question. Look at this text with me from the NIV. These days are under question. Verse 28, he says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, and he puts it in the form of a question. Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian, Paul? Are you serious? Is this really what you think? Since biblical times and up to today, the last days have been under question. They've been under under scrutiny. Uh, people have people have marked uh, they've marked time by the last days. They they've marked the plans by the last days. They many many theologians have marked um, specific points in Scripture, and certainly as it, as it pertains to action in the Middle East, and seen. Boy, this is, the la- this is the last generation. The last generation will see these things and will learn these things and will know these things and will experience this, these things and these, these, this and this and this will take place. And we've looked at those things and people have marked what they believe to be the, the, the last generation to see those things uh, over time. And those, those, those kind of things have been under question. But there's a, there's a huge chasm as we approach the last days, I, I believe, between what we believe and what we know. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I believe that we're in the last days. I believe we're in the generation to see the Lord's return. I believe that. But you know what? My parents believe that too. They've come and gone. And here's what I've come to know. I've come to know that it matters whether I'm ready, not matters when it is. It matters that I'm in relationship, not that I can count the days and I know know the, the calendar date. What matters is my readiness and my relationship with him, not the date that I know or the season that I know or the generation I know, because here's the truth. And this is something mileage has taught me as well. And my parents believe this as well. They didn't think it could get much worse. And it has. And as I was growing up, I didn't think it could get much worse either, but it can. And it is. We're growing more pagan as we, every, every, with each passing generation, we're growing further and further and further away from God. Now, if that's true, and that's a telltale story that we've, we were facing the closing window. We're facing the Lord's return. We're facing an opportunity that, that stands today, that's available today, that may not be available five years from now, ten years from now. And if that window is closing, and I, I happen to believe that it is, what are we doing about it? The things we believe are, I believe we're in the last days. The things I know are, I know I've got to be ready. And I know I've got to be walking with him. And I know I've got to tell my story. And I know there are people around me that need to know Christ. Do they? Am I living that in front of them? In essence, meaning that I know him and that I walk closely with him are two different things. Meaning that I know that his return is imminent and I believe it it is imminent. And the fact that that imminent return is forcing me into a more prioritized walk, into a more defined uh, relationship with him that says 
He oozes out of the cracks of my conversation. He, he, he becomes a part of my daily routine in the sense that could today be the day? If today's the day, she needs to know. Could today be the day? If today's the day, he needs to hear. If today's the day, I need to reveal that. I need to, I need to live that way, live with that sense of confidence and sense of purpose that says, if today's the day, I'm ready. Even so, come quickly. So, so the question isn't, when is he coming? The question is, am I ready? And I think Agrippa puts this woman a question today to, here in NIV to Paul to say, do you really think this, is this window really closing? Do you really think you can, in such a short time, Paul, that you, you can persuade me to be a Christian? Is, is this as imminent as, as you make it seem to be? If it is, I'm in trouble. And I see it, and I recognize it, and I know it. And there are people in your life and in your walk that need to see that sense of imminence out of you, that sense of urgency out of you, that sense of, uh, of, of a window closing, an opportunity closing out of you to where you're starting to seize conversations and seize circumstances and situations for the glory of God, for eternity to be changed, and for their salvation, people around us. Some of you may have family. Some of you may have immediate family that don't know Christ. There's a window of opportunity for them, and it may be closing because his return could be soon. Those the, these days are under question, but these days I think are sooner than they've ever been. Can it get worse? It saddens me to say yes, it can. But his return is imminent because we're seeing things happen on a world stage. The things that are happening in North Korea, I, I don't have time to get into today how that plays into the end times, but the things that are happening in that region of the world are prophecy being fulfilled. There'll be wars and rumors of wars. Nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom. In other, in other words, peon against peon, peon against giant. Those kind of things are prophesied in Scripture. And so what you're seeing happen in our day is very much God saying, the window's closing. Are you ready? Do they know me? Are, are you sure? Are, are you confident that you're, you're, you're confident that they know me? These days are under question. Thirdly, these days are not only getting shorter and under question, these days are no joking matter. I want to read to you the, uh, the, the version of this verse from the message. Chapter 26, verse 28 says, But Agrippa did answer, Paul, Keep this up much longer, and you'll make a Christian out of me. In essence, there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of sarcasm here in, 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 that, that Peterson puts in, in, the, in the message translation. There's, you, you keep this up, Paul, and you're going to make a Christian out of me. There's a, there's a sense of, of a joking nature here, a touch of sarcasm. But for Paul, it's no joking matter. Look at verse 29. Paul says in verse 29, Paul, still in chains, said, That's what I'm praying for, whether now or later, not only you, but everyone else listening today to become like me, except, of course, for this prison jewelry. It was a serious matter to Paul. Agrippa was making a little, or at least according to Peterson, was making a lot of it a little bit. But Paul says, this is, this is no laughing matter. This is serious stuff. Uh, his life was on the line, and Paul realized that not only Agrippa's eternity, but everybody that was hearing his story was destined to be there. You see, if there is destiny and destination to your life, and there is, if there is design to who you are, where you are, when you are, and there is, then there are no accidental conversations. There are no accidental encounters. I've said this over and over throughout life and throughout ministry. A believer can throw fate out the window, according to the Scripture, according to the Word of God. A believer can throw fate can ignore fate. Why? Because after we trust Christ, every conversation, every encounter is intentional. Every encounter is known by God, seen, seen ahead of time by him, and shouldn't be seen as incidental. We see him that way, but he doesn't. And so Paul recognizes the severity of this moment to say, 
There's nothing to joke about or be sarcastic about here at all, Agrippa. This is serious stuff because your eternity hangs in the balance. I not only want salvation for you, I want it for the rest of y'all that have come to hear all this today. Your salvation is important to me too. And so Paul realizes this is not an accidental encounter, for both for between he and Agrippa and between he and this crowd. And he wants to make the, the most of it. It's about, it's about readiness and relationship, as we talked about earlier. So here's, here's the two the poignant questions in light of that is do I know him personally and am I walking with him intimately? If I believe that the maturity I seek is, is a one of these days thing, if I already know him personally, am I walking with him intimately? If I know him personally, then my intimacy with him is up to me. He's already inside. The Holy Spirit's drawing my heart to him, drawing, drawing my, my desire to be, to be like him, to be known by him, to be near to him, to, to, to understand his ways. The Spirit's drawing my heart to those things day after day after day. Am I following the Spirit's leadership and walking intimately with Him? Do I, do I look and think and act and speak more like Him today than I did yesterday, than I did five years ago, than I did last de- a decade ago? Is that true of me? Or have I been a Christian 10, 20, 30, 50 years, and I'm still at the same place spiritually I've always been? I've, I've maybe matured a little bit. I know a little more Scripture, and I know a few more songs, and I've seen the hand of God show up a time or two, but... Am I any different? Has, has the needle moved in my life, spiritually speaking, to where as, if someone saw me 20 years ago and didn't see me again and saw me again today, would they think I was drastically a different person spiritually? Why? Because my maturity, the maturity gauge has slid far more toward Jesus than it was 20 years ago. Is that true of us? Am I following? Do I know him personally? And am I following him intimately? Am I walking with him intimately? You, you may get it. <clears throat> You may get a deal of a, just like Agrippa. You may get a sarcastic response when you start to share your faith openly and with friends across lunch, across a lunch table or across a break room or across. You may get some sarcasm in there, just like Agrippa shared. But there's nothing more serious than them knowing Jesus, and there's nothing more serious than your story of your knowing Jesus to, for them to come to know Him as well. Uh, these are these are serious issues with eternal consequences, and those eternal consequences are both for us and for those around us, for family around us. Finally, these days are, are getting shorter or under question, and are no joking matter. These days, finally, are almost here. I want to look at the key J, King James from, from my dad's Bible here that I brought with me today. Verse 28 in the King James says, <clears throat> Then Agrippa said to Paul, Almost, almost, Paul, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. I'm almost there. Last week we looked at the consequences of being an almoster versus an all-winner. We looked at the consequences of almost following him, almost almost walking with, with intimacy with him and, and getting over the line to say, I'm all in. I'm tired of being almost. I'm tired of, I'm tired of living a marginal faith. And, and I want to be all in for him. So here, <clears throat> Agrippa obviously wants in, but he stops short of that. Almost Paul... You've almost got me over the line. He stopped short. Why is the question. Was it, was it his position? Was it the fact that he was known to be uh, as a sympathizer? Paul, Paul, Paul asked him those questions earlier in, in, those, in, in the text as we saw. Uh, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? In verse, uh, verse 20, 27, do you believe the prophets? I know you do, Paul says. So Paul had some, some background with Agrippa and knew Agrippa's background and knowledge to say... <clears throat> Agrippa's familiar with the text. He's familiar with the writing of the prophets. He understands Jewish culture. He's not a follower of Jesus, but he understands Jewish culture, and he's not a Jew. 
And so here's Agrippa hearing all this and working with all this and trying to come to grips with all this, but yet stops short being an almoster. Why is that the case? I wonder if it was him. I wonder if it was Festus, uh, of his, his standing in front of Festus. I wonder if it was the crowd because this was a public setting in, in an open court, in an open arena. Could have, could have been any of those, could have been all of those, but, Paul, but, but Agrippa stands up next to the line and says, Almost, not quite in, but the desire's there, but the initiative isn't. I want to know him, but I'm not willing to step today. My heart is longing to to experience what you've experienced, but getting over the edge, stepping into the water, getting off off the shore and stepping into the water is something difficult for me. I don't know if I'm ready to do that today, Paul. He stops short. Why? Because there's costs involved, and Agrippa knew it. Anytime you're going to move deeper with Jesus, there's going to be a price to pay. There's going to be cost involved. There's cost when you come to know him personally. And there's cost after you know him personally to move more intimately and deeper in your faith with him. The cost will always, and I, I always refer to this, the cost will always cost you in, in terms of the three T's of time, talent, and treasure. It will always be costly in terms of that. But beyond that, it may cost you your reputation. It may cost you... What people think of you. I mean, they may see you as a freak. They may see you as, as some, something that, that is, instead of respectable, radical. And in, instead of faithful, fearful. Or maybe instead of almost, he's all in. I mean, they're over the edge. They're fanatical about this. Is that a cost you're willing to pay? I'm going to tell you, in our culture, not only will you be reeked with sarcasm, you're going to be reeked with ridicule as well. And in fact, Try attempted at least to be, to, be, to be silenced, as we've seen recently in our own city. And so are those costs of standing up against those kinds of intimidation, those kinds of cultural forays, and are those, is that a cost you're willing to pay? Agrippa said that day, not today, Paul. It's not a cost I'm willing to pay. I'm, I want to, I see it in you, and I long for it. But I'm not willing to step over the edge today. That's a, that's a, that's a price I'm not willing to pay today. And... I'm going to tell you this to be true, and I believe this with all my soul, and I I hope you hear me today in this. When you and I stand before the judgment seat of Jesus, the judgment seat of Christ, as as every believer will do, when you and I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we're not going to regret living a radical faith with him. In fact, we're not going to wish we had a tamer, safer faith. When we stand before him, we're not going to long for, wish we had done it tamer, Wish we'd done it more respectable. Wish we'd done it a little safer. I tell you, that's not going to enter your mind. You know what's going to enter your mind? <sighs> opportunity after opportunity, after conversation, after encounter, after relationship, after job, after her, after him. Time after time after time. I missed it. I should have seized it. I missed it. I should have seized it. I, I saw it. I recognized it. I didn't seize it. And I wonder... <clears throat> Because I see those thoughts in my own mind as as I see myself standing before him. That's one I missed. That's another I missed. And as I stand before him, nothing in me I don't think is going to long for a safer, more respectable, more tame, more refined faith. You know what probably I'm going to wish for? Man, I wish I was crazier. I wish I was was out there. I wish I was radical enough to believe it and live it and share it and verbalize it and expect others to hear it and respond to it day after day after day. Yet, here most of us stand and sit and walk with a tame, respectable, uh, refined faith. 
And what our world around us needs to see is something like Paul to say, listen, I was that guy. I was the tame guy. I had the credentials. I had the, I had the, I had the, had the background, had the upbringing, had, I had it all. And then I had an encounter. And that encounter changed me. And at every turn, in every city I go, I usually end up in jail. Why? Because I'm seen as a radical. I'm seen as somebody that's over the edge. He, he used to be this guy that was so tame and so smart and so refined and knew it and, and could spout it to you and could tell you the history. Not anymore. All he talks about is Jesus. All he says is, Jesus, 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 Jesus. He's this radical guy. My question today is, what do you not want to be known for? Do, 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 are we willing to lay our reputation down to say, I'm willing to let respectability go. I'm willing to let tame and safe go and take greater relational risks, take more verbal risks, take more of a walk and more of a stance in more arenas than I ever had before, in more relationships than I ever had before. Why? Because the window's closing, and I see it. And whether it's closing for them spiritually or whether God is closing it by way of time nearing his return, it's closing. And what are we doing with a closing window? Because here's the truth. One of these days is today. One of these days is today. And I want to encourage you to drive a stake in the ground today to say today is one of these days for me. Today with her, with him, with them, I'm going to breach some faith conversations. I'm going to, I'm going to see work a little differently. I'm going to have a different motive. I'm going to start to see this encounter that I've been trying to forget for years, hoping it would go away. I'm, I'm, I'm going to face that and face him or her over it and trust God to use that story of what God's done in me. Maybe it's an apology <clears throat> apology on my part that needs to be shared. Whatever, I want to be, be obedient to, to the opportunities God's placing in my path day after day after day, and I'm going to do that. One of these days is today for me. Maybe you're... you're Find yourself in the shallow end, in, in, and you've been in the shallow end faith-wise for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. You're going to say, today becomes one of these days for me. I'm going to start to develop a hunger for Scripture. I'm going to start to develop a diet that says, I'm going to spend so much time in prayer, so much time in Scripture each day to where I start to see my attitude starts to change, and my hunger starts to change, and my relationship starts to change, and the things that I think about start to change, and the things that are important to me are no longer important, and things that weren't, they're new priorities for me. Why? Because I'm looking through an eternal lens. I'm seeing life, I'm seeing, seeing myself as he sees me. I said one of these days I was going to do that. Today is that day. Today's the day I start to move out of immaturity and into more, a more mature walk with him, into a faith that's deeper than I've experienced with him. Why? Because lives and eternities hang in the balance. They hang in the balance of your moving beyond one of these days, I'm going to get there. One of these days, I'm going to get serious about it. One of these days, <clears throat> it's really become relevant and real to me. One of these days. One of these days needs to be today because lives and eternities hang in the balance and windows are closing for them, maybe even for you, to share with them. Um, there, are, there are people in, uh, in, in and around probably the life of... <clears throat> uh, Joel and Sherry Ammons that lost Zach last Sunday night in a, to, in a car accident. There, and he and I had a conversation about this earlier this week. There are people in their lives that I wonder, that they wonder, boy, is that door closing for them? It closed on my 23-year-old son that fast. 
Could it be closing for them, people around me? Is there a window that I can't even see today that's closing? And they can't either, but it's closing on them. Whether the window is death, whether the window is separation, whether the window is loss of some kind, failure of some kind, there's a window that's open today that may not be open tomorrow. And lives and eternities of people around us hang in the balance of our making one of these days today. Are we going to do that? Let's pray.